In 2003, God pulled 15 people together with a unified vision to start a church. And since then, God has graciously multiplied those 15 people many times over. But now, more than a decade later, we're at another crossroads in our story. And it's time to unify that vision once again. Take Bob here. Bob is a regular churchgoer. He even tithes and volunteers. Not bad, right? But every time a mission trip gets brought up, Bob gets nervous. He couldn't possibly take the time off work. Here's the Parkers. They've been coming to Rolling Hills for a year or so, but haven't gotten involved. They keep meaning to join a small group, but they're just so busy. And here's Lucy and Chuck. They just got married and are still knee-deep in student loans, so they don't think tithing is much of an option. Next Steps was started as a way to challenge each of us to start investing our time, gifts, and resources toward the unified vision God has for our church. Reaching out is all about serving people outside our walls. Whether it's as a part of a Saturday Serve project, serving on a national or international mission trip, or as part of the core team for a new church plant. Growing up is taking that next step to mature in your faith. It could be through baptism, joining a small group for the first time, or serving as a volunteer. And of course, joining us in Daily Steps, our church-wide daily Bible reading plan. With Giving All, we're asking that you take the first step toward tithing. There is so much that we can do as a church, in our community, and all around the world, but we can't do it without everyone taking part together. By taking your next steps, you're committing to Jesus and me. But when we all take a step forward with one unified vision, it becomes a movement of Jesus and me. Good morning, church. Good morning. What a great day, a great time to come to worship and to celebrate the goodness and the graciousness of our God. I just love this time. I love these mornings and love this being able to be in God's house and worship Him together. When I was in college, I was blessed to have a great group of friends. Uh, I just did. In my freshman year, there was about 20 of us. We all hung out together, guys and girls. It was just fun and we, great people, just love the Lord. We're still, still great friends with a lot of them, you know, and, and uh, just those friendships that you make during college. And, and these guys, I mean, just on fire for Jesus, we would spend time, we would worship together, we'd serve together, we would do different things together. And then as time went on, right, our yeah, sophomore year and our junior year, then our junior year, we were like, we don't get to hang out as much, so let's do something together. So we planned this big spring break trip. We were all going to go. I was in Waco, Texas, and we were going to drive to Colorado, okay, because we had a friend who knew a friend who somebody had a cabin up there, and it could hold all of us. So we thought, well, we're just going to do this. We're going to do a road trip, and we're going to drive it to Colorado in order to spend time together, because we haven't been together a lot. It's a great time to get away in the mountains, and you can worship God. It's just going to be, it's going to be awesome. Well, as we started talking more about it, a couple of the guys were like, what if we left, like, the night before and then we would have an extra day. We could go ski, you know, right? You know, we could do some more skiing. We were going to do a little bit, but now we could pick up a whole extra day of skiing. So, so let's just drive out. You know, we'll leave late at night. We'll drive all through the night. We'll get there, right? We're in college. We're like, yeah, great idea. You know, hey, it's awesome. So, so we had about five cars, 20 of us, and we started this road trip. Left from Waco, and, but by the time we got to Dallas, right, it's starting to get dark, and then it starts to snow. And then it starts to really snow. And so we make it through Dallas and then we're going the other side of Dallas. We're heading toward Amarillo. We're up in the panhandle. And then it's like blizzard, okay? And the snow and ice. And we're from Texas. We don't have to drive in this stuff. You know, we're not used to this and everything. And cars are off in the ditches. We're helping pull cars out, push cars out. And we're driving along about 20 miles an hour. And I look back on this and I think, you know, what were we thinking? Now that I'm a parent, I'm like, 
what were we thinking? You know, I mean, don't, don't do that. And here we are, five cars heading along, going up there. We get to Amarillo. We get on the other side of Amarillo, and it's bad. I mean, it's just icy. We're just creeping along. And by now, we're, we need gas, and we're hungry. And so we think, well, we, let's just find a place. Everything's closed. We're running low. And, and sure enough, there was this little gas station on the side of the road. I mean, just one of those, you know, just small places. And we were radioing each other. We had little walkie-talkies. We were like, okay, guys. NASCAR pit stop because we got to get there for skiing. We're not going to make it. We're losing time. So everybody pull in, get gas, switch drivers, go in and grab whatever snacks you can, get your Twizzlers, your Sweet Tarts, your M&Ms, get back in the car and we're headed out. So here we are. We pull up into the gas station, you know, and it was NASCAR. We jumped out. Everybody's doing their thing. We're running in. We're grabbing all the snacks we can. We run back in the cars. We're switching drivers. We get in and we're back off. And here we go. 20 miles an hour on the interstate, creeping along, creeping along, snow coming down, blizzard coming down. In about two hours down the road, we get this, you know, on there, Rocky Talk, they're like, hey man, is Todd back there? No, Todd's not in our car. What about your car? No, Todd's not in this car. And you know how you just have one of those feelings in the pit of your stomach, like, You've got to be kidding me. This is not gonna be good. This is really bad. This is really bad. I'm praying that somebody says Todd's in their car. Todd's not in their car. And the crazy part was we were in Todd's car, okay? So we're, we're in Todd's car, but we have no Todd, right? And we're driving along in Todd's car, and we realized we had left Todd back at the gas station. So here we are two hours down the road, blizzard weather, and no Todd in his car. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And so we all have to pull off on the side of the road and we're all drawing short straws to see who has to go back and get Todd because we know this is not gonna be good. He's gonna be like, what in the world? And so me and a couple of buddies, we drive back two hours, right? We gotta drive back two hours, then drive back to catch our friends for two hours and then keep going. And we get back to the gas station. I'll never forget that feeling of getting out. And they had no heat in the gas station. And so Todd's in there and he's like changing tires in their little workroom area because he's so cold. And I just thought, oh man, we missed it, you know. But isn't that about life? Sometimes it becomes about the destination and we forget what's really important. And maybe the fact of the matter is this, maybe the journey is the destination. But see, so often in our lives, right, it becomes about the destination. And man, we take off. We got this career. We run after the career, you know. And the next thing you know, we go like, oh, yeah, I forgot my spouse. <laughs> I forgot my kids. I, I mean, I'm going after this. I'm going after all these things. I'm going after all this. And, and sometimes we get enamored with all the Twizzlers and the Sweet Darts and the M&Ms of life that are out there. And we forget, whoa, what is life really about? <laughs> Where is my focus? What really matters? At the end of the day, what really matters. And isn't it God? And isn't it the people? For the next 12 months, we're challenging everybody to focus. We're challenging all of us to say, we're going to make an unwavering commitment for the next 12 months to follow God, to be obedient to God. We are going to walk with him. And so in our next step series, which we come to a conclusion today to make a commitment or a recommitment, we just want to say for 12 months, God, we want to be men and women after your heart. We want to invest in what's important. God, we want to leave a legacy. God, we want to be godly husbands and fathers and wives and mothers or in our future marriage or with our kids or with grandkids. God, we want to make a difference. We don't want to get so caught up in life that we miss you and miss what matters. So Father, draw our hearts to you today that our lives will count and we can make a difference. 
In our series, we've seen this, right? We've seen this movement that happened. As, as people move from Jesus and me, you know, it's often it's about me and what I can get. And I got my iPad, my iPhone, I'm making me, it's all me, it's all me. You know, to Jesus and we, the body, the body moving forward, the power of we, of us locking arms, of us taking next steps together. And what can happen as a people of God move out? Now we're looking at a movement that happened 2,000 years ago. Right, as some people took a next step, as Jesus called his disciples together, he said, guys, guys, listen, listen, listen. And in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He goes, guys, listen, invest in what matters. Jesus goes, I'm ascending into heaven and I'm passing it on to you. You invest in what matters. In Acts chapter two, the power of we, right, man, they just started walking forward. They were locking arms and God was doing this incredible movement. They grew deeper in their faith. They grew stronger in their faith. They grew more passionate about Jesus. They moved from being spiritual children to spiritual young men to spiritual fathers. And God started a movement that has reverberated out through history. In Acts chapter two, we see the power of generosity as the group in the early church, man, they started giving and seeing needs and meeting those needs and saying, it's not just about me taking, it's about me giving. And when I do that, I become a blessing. And this movement that today, one third of the world would profess the name of Jesus because some people took their next steps. A people like us, ordinary people that God used in an extraordinary way. And God just says, come on, I'm inviting you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I'm inviting you and I'm gonna do things in your life that you won't even dream or imagine. Come on, be a part of what I'm doing. Take your next steps. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter three, Acts chapter three. Acts stands for the Acts of the Apostles, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. And then we come to Acts. In Acts one, we saw that Jesus ascends into heaven and Acts two, the Holy Spirit comes, the church explodes on the scene. And we're gonna be looking at Acts chapter three and four today. It says in Acts chapter three, verse one, if you don't have a Bible, that's all right, we'll put the words on the screen. You can follow along with what God's word says. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now remember, Peter and John are two of Jesus' disciples. And they've walked with Jesus for a long time. And they could have easily said, you know, hey, we've, we're gonna retire, we're gonna kick back, but they're still active, they're involved, they're going to church, they're worshiping. It says, now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us, exclamation point. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now something's about to happen here, okay? I gotta tell you, I love this because something's about to happen. You can picture the scene, right? Everybody's going up to the temple to worship. Here's this guy begging, he's like money, money, money. And everybody's just kind of walking past. Maybe some people are dropping some coins. And he's just kind of looking down at the ground. And Peter, the prompting of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he stops and he says, hey man, wait, 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 look at us. And you can imagine the guy looking up. Because Peter knew, man, God's calling me. God's calling me to step into something here. You see, the way we grow in our spiritual life is taking next steps. Next steps is all about spiritual growth. It's all about us maturing in our faith. And Peter could have easily just walked on by this guy, but God prompted his heart and Peter stepped out and Peter stepped into this life. And it says, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. <laughs> wow. Okay, this is so strong because you, you gotta imagine Peter, right? We don't have a record of Peter like healing somebody in scripture. I mean, if you go in the gospels, it was Jesus who was always healing people and Peter was there and watching this thing unfold. But now here's Peter and Peter's prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for this guy, to pray for healing. And I can imagine Peter going, uh, God, what if this doesn't work, right? I mean, have you ever been there? You, you, you know, you're like, I don't know if I should pray for this because this is kind of bold. And what if it doesn't go down? What if it doesn't work, you know? And how am I gonna look? But Peter, he doesn't just kind of go, okay, I've had this great run with Jesus. I'm just gonna move on. Peter engages and he says, hey man, I don't have money because money's not gonna satisfy you anyway. Somebody can throw some dimes in there and it's not gonna make a difference. But, but what is gonna help you and what's gonna fulfill your life is Jesus. So let me tell you right now about Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. It was Jesus that healed him. It was Jesus that restored him. It was Jesus that redeemed him. But it was Peter's obedience to step out. And church, God's calling all of us to take next steps, right? Reaching out, growing up, giving all. God's calling all of us to step out and to engage. And so many times we can kind of kick back and go, I don't know about me, you know, I don't know. And yet God's going, come on. And all of our next steps are different, right? Some of our next steps may be praying with a spouse. We've just never done that. We're kind of scared. We're like, how are they going to respond? What are they going to say? I don't even know how to approach them. Maybe it's pray with your family. Maybe it's going on a mission trip. I don't know. Maybe it's reading the word of God, whatever it is. All of our next steps are different. But just like Peter, there comes that moment, that, that moment of are we going to engage? And Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can you picture this? And he's like picking him up and the guy's like, yeah, you know, and he's jumping up and down. And he's just dancing, I imagine. He goes into the temple, he's praising God. God, thank you. You see, when we take next steps, when we take next steps, this is where we see miracles happen. This is where we see God do things that we could never do on our own. This is where we see lives redeemed and restored. This is when we see hope come. This is when we see transformation. And God's saying, I'm inviting you to be a part of what I'm doing. You just step out. But this is where the Christian life comes alive. This is where it comes alive. It doesn't come alive when we just sit in the boat, right, and rock along. It comes when God calls us and we step out of the water. It comes when God calls us and we get engaged. It's easy to sit on the sidelines. But God's saying, I want you in the game. I want you apart. And here's the amazing part. Your obedience and my obedience, your obedience and my obedience impacts more than just you. It impacts more than just you. Your obedience to Christ over these next 12 months is gonna have a huge impact on your marriage or your future marriage, on your children, on your grandchildren, on your generations. It will impact communities, it will impact church, it will impact workplaces. Your obedience to God's call in your life and God's call in my life impacts more than just us. And God's inviting us to focus. God's inviting us to step out and Peter did. And God did a miracle. 
All these people come running, right? If you keep going in Acts chapter three, everybody's like, what? You can imagine this crowd of symbols. And if Peter stands up, he goes, hey guys, listen, listen. Not to us, but to God's name be the glory, right? God's the one who healed him. God just allowed me to be a part of that, you know. But to God be the glory. And he starts talking about Jesus in Acts chapter four. It says the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Now, I'm just gonna tell you straight up, right? That sometimes when you take a next step, sometimes there's challenges that come. I'll just tell you, there's challenges that sometimes come. Why? Because we have an enemy who doesn't want us to succeed. We have an enemy that wars against us, right? And then here's Peter and John, and, and they're thinking, man, this is awesome. This guy was crippled, now he's walking, he's healed, he's praising God, and now we're in jail. God, seriously? I mean, we were being obedient. We were trusting you, and now we're, why are we in jail? And you can just imagine that in their minds thinking about this. Sometimes you can be, I want you to get this, sometimes you can be in the center of God's will and still go through tough times. Sometimes you can be in the center of God's will and still go through tough times. And maybe you're here today, maybe there's a really, there's a crisis in your life, there's a struggle in your life. God hasn't forgotten you. You hold on to him. You stay strong in him. Why? Because God receives the glory even in the suffering. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We live in a fallen world. We do. But he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. He says, you hold on. You hang in there. I'm doing something bigger than you can see. You stay focused on me. You hold on to me. You walk with me. Some of you may make a, a step, right? And your step is, you're gonna read the Bible. You're gonna take a daily step each day. You're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna read the Bible each day. There's a daily step plan I'm gonna read. And, and tomorrow morning, you're gonna wake up. You're gonna be so excited. You're gonna read in the Psalms and then you're gonna go into the Gospel of John because that's on the reading plan. And you're gonna read and you're like, ah, oh, that was so good. And it's just gonna change your day. I mean, and you're going to work and there's a different attitude of spirit. You're coming home, there's a different attitude. There's a different spirit. And then on Tuesday, right? Your boss calls, you got this early meeting, and you're like, ah, I don't have time, right? And, and then on Wednesday, what happens? You know, the kids got to go to school, something's going on. And, and then on Thursday, something else happens, and you're like, oh, man. And, and Satan's going, I got him, right? And the opportunity right there is to say, get behind me, Satan. No, you don't. My God is a God of grace. I'm picking up on Friday. I'm jumping back into the word. I'm reading the word because I'm growing in the word. And I made a commitment and I'm staying strong in that commitment. And even if I miss a couple of days, that's all right. I'm coming back to the word of God. And you see that you stay strong in that. Peter and John, even in jail, said, wait a minute. God's doing something bigger than we can see. We're gonna be faithful. We're gonna be faithful. And look what happens in verse four of chapter four. It says, but many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, 120 believers. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 believers. Acts chapter 4, 5,000 men. That doesn't count the women and children. Many people estimate the church grew to 20,000 plus people because some people were willing to step out. Some people were willing to focus. People were willing to say, hey, I want to be a part of something bigger. I want to be a part of something God is doing. Well, the next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name 
Did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, now this is, this is bold, okay? Because you gotta think about this. These are the same people that had Jesus crucified. These are the same people, right, when Jesus stood before them. And Peter and John have a decision. Do, do I engage here? Or do I kind of kick back and go, you know what, I don't know what happened. I mean, we're walking along, and next thing you know, he pops up. I don't know. But then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, I think he, that's pretty sarcastic, right? I think Peter just kind of threw that in there like, hey guys, aren't you religious leaders? Aren't, shouldn't you be happy that this guy is healed and things are going well in his life? But anyway, Peter keeps going. He says, and asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. And then look at verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter just lays it out here. Here's the gospel, right? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. And maybe you're here today, and maybe somebody invited you, and maybe today you just kind of feel like, man, salvation's found in money, right? Silver and gold. I'm just, if I can get more money, if I can get more money, it's not going to satisfy. It's fine. I mean, pursue it. It's great, but it's not going to satisfy. That's not your hope. Maybe you think it's a relationship, and if I could date this guy or date this girl, maybe you think, man, if I can just get things right here in my career, it's salvation is found in Christ. It starts with Christ. It starts with centering and focusing our lives on Christ. Salvation is found in no one else. Well, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men. <laughs> I love that, right? I mean, these guys didn't have PhDs. I mean, they were just unschooled ordinary men. Ordinary men that God used for an extraordinary purpose. Ordinary men and women like you and I that God used in an incredible way for his glory. And they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. <laughs> so they send them out and they say, okay, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna deal with these guys? These guys are pretty bold. Uh, what are we gonna do? So they come up with this plan and they call them back in and look here in verse 18. Then they called them in again and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So they said, okay, guys, here's the deal. We're gonna let you go as long as you don't ever speak or talk about Jesus. You do that, you're fine. Now we're talking life and death in the balance here, right? I mean, these guys know. I mean, this is, this is, this is a big deal. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't you love that courage? Don't you love it? They're like, hey guys, Here's the deal, God told us to, so you determine whether we should obey God or whether we should obey you. You see, the fact is this, some of you, God's calling you to take a next step. And you're right here, you're right here. Because you know in your heart of hearts, God's calling you to step out. And maybe for you, it's baptism, right? You know, God's been drawing you to himself and God's been inviting you and saying, hey, take that step, be baptized as a public expression of your faith. And immediately what comes into your mind, what are other people gonna think? <laughs> Immediately what comes into your mind is, oh no, oh no, you know, I, people are gonna think I should have done that earlier. 
I, I, people are going to think, you know, what am I going to look like with my hair wet? You know, I mean, people are going to think, I mean, you know, immediately that comes to your mind, right? And you have to ask yourself this same thing. Is, is it better to obey God or man? Some of you, God's been putting on your heart, you know, to, to talk to a family member about Christ. And you know, there's somebody who's far away. And you're sitting there going, but what, how are they going to respond? And you come to that point. You come to that decision. And some of you, God's calling you to go on a mission trip. And you're like, I don't know, you know. And, and some of you, God's calling you to take this step of faith. And you're giving or you're serving. And you're like, I don't know. And you keep coming back to this struggle. And here's the struggle. It just boils down to this. You know, are you and I going to be obedient? Because all of our next steps look different. But God is calling you specifically. Am I going to obey God? <laughs> Or am I going to listen to what others think? I was had lunch with a guy this week who goes to our church, and, and he was telling me, he said, you know, he just, he's been coming for about six months, and he said, Jeff, we, we grew up, and he said, my parents used to fight all the time, and he goes, I remember being a little kid, and I just thought, you know, man, this is my family, it's just not happening, it's going to fall apart, and he said, I used to pray and pray for my parents, and he said, but I'll never forget my uncle. My uncle would, would come to my house, and and he would talk to my dad. He'd talk to my dad about Jesus. Talk to my dad about Jesus. Talk to my dad about Jesus. And finally, my dad went with him to church. And, and my dad gave his life to Christ. And he goes, you wouldn't believe it, but when my family was redeemed and restored, he goes, I often think, and now I'm the father of five kids. And, and I often think where my life would have been. And he goes, I don't know God could have redeemed me and restored me in my life. But, but God used my uncle. He said, I named one of my sons after my uncle <laughs> because of the impact that my uncle had on my family. You know, God's calling all of us. And there comes this point of, are we going to step out? Or are we going to trust? And Peter and John, they, they stood up for Jesus that day. And after further threats, they let them go because they couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, we were in the Amazon and we were with these jungle pastors. You know, these pastors, they take canoes and they come down to, to meet and they three, five, seven days on the boats on the Amazon to get to the place where we have worship and have this incredible time. And one of these pastors is named Lazaro. And Lazaro was telling us about when he was growing up, his dad was a witch doctor. And uh, I mean, he goes, you know, it was just, he goes, my dad was so into witchcraft. We would cut up animals and all these things. He goes, and that's really where I thought my life was going. At the age of 12, my dad passed away. He said, there was these four women in the village and they just prayed for me. They prayed for me. They prayed for me. And he goes, they would invite me to church. Here I am, a you know, 12-year-old kid. They took me to church. And he goes, first time I went to church, it was like the spiritual warfare. I walked in, I got violently sick because I knew Satan was fighting with me and I had to leave. He goes, but they just stayed with me. They just kept praying for me, praying for me, praying for me. And I came back to church one time and I just gave my life to Christ. He goes, now here I am, a pastor. He goes, but I still see God do these incredible things. He goes, the other day, he goes, we were praying and, and me and some people, it was about 11.45 a.m. And, and God just said, hey, go to this guy's house. And I'm like, what? He'd go to this guy's house. So I, I go over to the guy's house, I knock on the door and, and the guy opens the door and he says, what do you want? And I said, I'm Pastor Lazaro and I've come here and he just slams the door in my face. I'm like, okay. Next day, 11.45 a.m., I'm praying. And I feel like God's saying, go to this man's house. I'm like, uh, God, it didn't go real well yesterday. I don't know if you saw that, but, uh, but he went. He goes back and he knocks on the door and the guy opens the door and he puts a gun in my face, he said. And he said, what do you want? And Pastor Lazarus said, I just want to tell you one thing. And he slams the door in my face. Next day, 11.45 a.m., 
I mean, I'd be like, ah, I don't know, God. You know? <laughs> but Pastor Lazarus was like, yeah, I just said, go. Go to his house, go to his house. He said, so I go to his house. I knock on the door, he opens the door. He reaches out, he has a gun in one hand, he grabs me by the shirt and he pulls me inside. He slams the door and he says, I'm gonna cut you in little pieces. And I said, before you do that, before you do that, let me tell you one thing. The guy said, what is it? He said, God sent me here. God sent me here to tell you that he loves you. He cares about you and he has a plan for you. And he said, the guy just dropped the gun and he fell on his knees. He started weeping and weeping and weeping. And he looked up and he said, my wife left me a couple of weeks ago and I don't have anything to live for. And every day for the last three days, I've taken this gun and put it in my mouth and you have knocked on the door. He said, there is a God. And right there, the guy gives his life to Christ. I'm just telling you, these miracles still happen. They don't just happen back then. They happen today as men and women take steps of faith and obedience. Well, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? This is from Psalm 2, right? I love how they use scripture in their prayers. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. I'm telling you, God's got a plan and a purpose. Look at verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. <laughs> I love that. Consider their threats, God, and give us even more boldness. The church has always thrived in persecution. Great movements have happened in persecution. Give us boldness, God. You are at work, God. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, boldly. The power of commitment, right? The power of commitment. The world is always impacted by men and women of unwavering commitment. The world is impacted by people who lock arms and say, we're going forward together. Eugene Peterson says, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. A focused life, a purposeful life, a long obedience. We're gonna be bold and we're gonna be strong and we're gonna step out together for the glory of God. And then it says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Notice that. See, next steps are always taken together. <laughs> They're always taken together. You're, you're not alone in this journey. God's put us all together for this time and this place and this purpose. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. I love that. There were no needy persons among them for from time to time, this is one of those times. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. The power, 
of taking next steps together. Spiritual growth happens in the context of community. Spiritual growth happens as men and women step out. This is the way communities are impacted. This is the way marriages are impacted. This is the way children are impacted. Generations are impacted. This is the way history is made. As a people of God go forward together. As God stirs in your heart and your life and as you step out for his name and for his glory and we lock arms from Jesus and me to Jesus and we following together. You know, the people of Focus have really made an impact in the world and I have a couple of heroes. <laughs> One of my heroes was a guy named Jimmy Valvano. Jimmy Valvano was a coach of the North Carolina State Wolfpack and 1983, they won the NCAA basketball tournament. And Jimmy Valvano was this guy who was just high energy and just, man, he was just so fun and he was a great coach. In 1992, Jimmy Valvano was diagnosed with a terminal cancer. And it became the turning point in his life. It became the point in his life where he said, I gotta focus my life on what really matters. And that happens so often. I've seen it over and over again. When people go through a difficult time or a tragedy, it's like, okay, I gotta get serious. I gotta focus on what really matters. And in his life, it didn't become about wins and losses anymore. In his life, it became about making a difference in the lives of others. In his life, it became knowing God and growing in his relationship with God and sharing God's love with others. In 1993, he stood at the ESPY Awards and he looked at the camera and he gave this speech. He said, guys, I will thank God for the day and the moments I have. They are precious. <laughs> they are precious. These are the good times. Hold on to them. They are precious. And I urge all of you, all of you, to enjoy your life, the precious moment you have, to laugh, to think, and to have your emotions move to tears. If you laugh, you think, you cry, that is a full day. That is a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week and you will have something special. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities, but it cannot touch my heart, my mind, and my soul. He said, hey guys, get it. Focus on what matters. Focus on what matters. You have the opportunity to make a difference. Cherish this moment. These moments for the next 12 months, just say, God, I'm all in. I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna trust. Another one of my heroes is a woman named Sari Zell. <laughs> Sarah has been at Rolling Hills from, from the beginning. Sarah was born with uh, brittle bone disease. She spent her life in a wheelchair and yet I never heard her complain, ever. She graduated from Vanderbilt University, summa cum laude. She got her master's from Vanderbilt. She worked at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. And even when we were in an apartment clubhouse and then the Marriott Hotel, when we were in a movie theater, Sarah taught preschoolers here at Rolling Hills. She loved teaching preschoolers here at this building. She just loved pouring her life into children and teaching them about Jesus. She loved Jesus so much, she was so passionate about Christ. About six years ago, we were in a movie theater, we were praying about a new place and where are we gonna go and what are we gonna do? And, and we said, Sarah, what's your wildest dream? What is that for you? And she said this, I would like to have a children's area with walls and bulletin boards to decorate. Doors that close and bright, happy lights to make coming to Sunday school a joyful place. I want kid-sized furniture, little potties. <laughs> Reading corners with bean bags and art supplies in abundance and a playground, of course. <laughs> you see, all of Sarah's life, man, she's focused. I wanna share Jesus with the next generation. I wanna be sure that people know that God loves them, that children know that God loves them. Sarah passed away last year. She went home to be with Jesus. 
And I believe with all my heart that she's looking down and she's smiling because she knows today we're doing a grand opening of preschool space and so much of her dream and her legacy in a playground is here. We asked her right before she passed away, Sarah, what do you want your legacy to be? And here's what she said. I want to communicate to young children and, and to everyone, I suppose, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that God picked them. God picked them for a specific purpose. God picked you for a specific purpose that only they have. Why would we not worship a God like that? <laughs> Why would we not worship God like that? See, God made you. You are unique. You are God's workmanship. And God has an incredible plan for you and a purpose for you. And God's inviting you, just focus. The next 12 months, the next 12 months, all for him and for his glory. I want to invite you uh, to take out your little booklet. Some of you, you've had this the entire series. You've been praying about it. You've maybe prayed together or your spouse, with your children, or with your friends, or maybe today it's your first day. That's great. Praise God you're here. What a better Sunday to be here. I mean, this is awesome. But if you'll take out your little booklet, because we're going to make a commitment today. We started this journey 12 months ago. Many of us, we've been on this journey and just praying and saying, God, what are you going to do? And now for the next 12 months, we're asking us as a church to make a commitment or a recommitment. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. But this is our time with the Lord. If you'll take your little booklet, there should be a pen on your chair around you. But if you want to just fill out the first page, and we're asking everybody to make a commitment in three areas. One, reaching out. What are you going to do for the next 12 months in reaching out? <laughs> Would you give 2% of your time? 2% of your time, that's it. 2% of your time over the next 12 months. And maybe that means walking across the street. Because every day you drive by and yet you know there's something going on in that house and there's somebody in need. Maybe for you, that means going on a mission trip. Maybe it means going to Moldova this summer and working with the orphans. Maybe it's South Africa or the Amazon, I don't know. Maybe for you, it's volunteering at the PATH Project. But somehow, would you give back? Would you invest in others? I'm making my commitment. Here it's growing up, right? What about your commitment to grow up spiritually? Over the next 12 months, how are you going to grow deeper in your faith? Maybe for some of you, it is baptism. And you've been wrestling with that in your heart. Or maybe for you, it's, it's taking a daily step and saying, God, I want to read the Word. I've never even read the Bible. And I'm going to start reading. I'm going to take that daily step plan. Maybe for you, it's joining the church, right? And saying, hey, I want to be a part of the body of Christ or serving in some way. I want to worship one hour, serve one hour. And then what about giving all? Giving all. Maybe for the next 12 months, you'll say, you know, I'm going to tithe. <laughs> I'm going to do it. It's the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. I've never done it, but my first 10%, I'm trusting, I'm giving it back to God. Or maybe you're already tithing, or maybe you say, hey, I want to go over and above. There's tithes and there's offerings. And for the next 12 months, I'm going to do $50 more, or $100, or $500, or $1,000 a month. I don't know whatever it is. But just to say, I'm going to trust. I want to follow. Maybe for some of you, it's a one-time gift. Just today, I want to invest in what God's doing in preschool, children, students, South Nashville, Moldova. I want to invest. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to pray through this and then to bring your booklet. 
just like I have my booklet. And we're going to hang these right there on the we. And think about that. All of us coming together. You know, preschool, children, students, young single adults, young marrieds without kids, and parents and grandparents, and all of us as the body of Christ today, taking next steps to come over and to hang this on one of those hooks on the we. If you have an envelope, you have a gift, you can drop it in one of these. These are going to be cubbies that are going to go in the new preschool room. There's an envelope in your worship guide. You can just drop it in. But today, today's the day of commitment. Today's the day to follow. Today's the day to take next steps in Christ together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence, oh God. God, we sense you here. And Father, I pray today boldly, God, that you would move in us, that you would give us the courage to step out, that today we would determine our lives whether it's better to obey you rather than man, to not worry about what others think, but Father, to say for the next 12 months, I'm gonna commit to focus on Christ. I'm not gonna leave my spouse behind. I'm not gonna leave my children. I'm not gonna leave people behind. I'm gonna invest reaching out and growing up and giving all. So Lord Jesus, here we are, your disciples today. And Father, I pray that you would find us faithful. And I pray that God, you would take the next steps that we're making and you would bless and multiply and that the world would see a church, the body of Christ coming together and stepping out for you. Jesus, we love you. And it's in the name, the precious name of Christ that we pray and we make our commitments. Amen. Amen. Whenever you feel led, if you so choose, you're invited to come.
Oh, way to go. Let's give these kids a big hand. Great Woo! job, you guys. Yeah. We love you guys. Great job. I love your passion, your joy, your enthusiasm. Church, this is church, right? I mean, this is awesome. Preschool and children and students. It was awesome watching students make their commitment. And all of us together making an impact for the glory of God. Church, I love you. I'm so proud of you and so thankful for what God's doing here. We are on an incredible journey together. In all glory to him, not to us, but to his name be the glory be the glory. Uh, you can be seated. I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back to God. If you're a first-time guest, we all we ask is that you would give us your communication card and we could follow up and tell you what God's doing here. On the back is a place for prayer request. And so you can write that on there and we'll pray through those. Let me pray for us right now. God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, thank you for these precious children and their joy and their enthusiasm. Thank you that they're learning about you, that you're raising up a generation God, to seek your face. And Father, I thank you for a church that's willing to take next steps, willing to be bold in our faith, God. And I pray that you will bless over these next 12 months. I pray a blessing on every person, on every family, on every home, on every marriage. Uh, and Father, just that you would do something only you can do. And so, Lord, we love you and we trust you. Thanks for an opportunity to give back to you. Take what is given and bless it and multiply it. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give. Amen, amen.